0: Hello Lit Chat listeners, this is PJ. And this is Bonnie. And I know it's been a while since we've talked to
1: you, but we're back. We are actually taping this in Galena Park because our library branch is closed right now. And today we will be talking about the Gulf Coast Reads um, pick, which is, Bonnie, would you like to tell them? It is The Fisherman and the Dragon by Kirk Wallace Johnson. All right. So this one deals with events that are very close to Houston. Um I think the majority was in Sea Drift, if I'm not mistaken. Sea Drift Kema, they they commented on Kema several times.
0: Yes. Um, and then also down along the coast where Brownsville down that way. Yeah. There was some stuff that took place down there, but a lot of it took place actually in Galveston and and up through the um, ship channel. Yes. Of Houston, before it was really, really booming.
1: So this is... So it's been a while since I read this, so I might get a little of the details wrong, but I think it takes place either in the 60s or in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. It's right after the Vietnam War, whenever that
0: was, because the whole story of the book is that the Vietnam refugees are coming to America, and for whatever reason, they're relocating to the Texas... Louisiana Gulf Coast they're they're relocating to the Gulf Coast region i'm guessing because it mostly resembles the type of area they lived in in Vietnam the ocean fishing Temp- uh, temperature, temperature lies, perhaps uh, that kind of thing so that's why most of the refugees well a lot of the refugees ended up and they ended up doing what they did in Vietnam which was fishing crabbing,
1: well, oysters, also, shrimping, you know, you know. They end up doing what is the most convenient thing to do when you move to a new place. And in in this case, shrimping and fishing was a big deal because we're so close to the Gulf Coast. And of course, being in right. Houston and Galveston, you know, it's the thing to do. Right. And of course, you had the
0: local fishermen. They felt like. Their jobs, their places were being usurped.
1: I feel like it's actually two stories, right? Because you've got the story of the tension, the race tensions between white fishermen who feel like their living is in danger because there's all these immigrants from Vietnam, refugees from Vietnam, who are also doing what they're doing. So you've got that story of the tensions of the race that also involves the KKK. And then you also have the backstory of these big factories who are polluting. Yes. Chemical petroleum industry. Who are polluting the waters. And because of that pollution, it's creating, you know, mutated. Fish and crabs and shrimp
0: and everything else.
1: And it's also affecting the wildlife like the amount of fish and because shrimp as, that are going as up. as
0: one person put it in the book, the fish come in here to eat, but they don't stay here. They swim back out and go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, so it's not, they would swim into this one particular bay. I forget the name of it, down near Matagorda. It was, this, apparently there was mercury that had settled to the bottom of this bay. And then the officials wanted to dredge it to make it deeper and they you had people fighting to keep that from happening but that was kind of with this story that was kind of the in the background well
1: i feel like the real cause was the fact that it wasn't so much the vietnamese refugees who were making it difficult on the white fishermen it really was a fact that the amount of fish and shrimp were dying because of these chemicals. But because they didn't know it, the obvious, the obvious. Well, the um, thing is, they, they were aware of
0: it. The one guy who gets shot early in the book in an altercation. Oh, yes, yes. Had seen a deformed something or other, and he just threw it back, not thinking too much about it. But then later on, he's like, maybe there's something wrong here. And there was this other lady who lived down that way that she was, she was literally saving specimens for forever that people would bring her. And when they went to court later in the book, they, they did end up in court with these conglomerations of chemical deities. And, I don't know why none of those, they didn't indicate in the book that she presented any of those specimens as proof that
1: these things were going on. So here's the thing that was a catch 22, right? Because people knew, but also these factories were bringing in jobs, right? Oh, yeah. So it was a catch 22 of do you want more jobs in the community? But it's gonna be at the expense of you know the local wildlife.
0: Well, you would you you had like one person in the family was fishing, but then everybody else in the family was, was working, working in the at factories, yeah, or at the plant or doing something with the chemical industry,
1: which is why I think um, and you're just like, Which is why I think it was one of those things where it was um, known, but it was allowed. But also, instead of focusing on the damage that the chemicals were doing to the wildlife, I think it was just easier to blame the Vietnamese, right? Because with the, the chemical corporations, at least you can say, well, at least they're also bringing us jobs and they're bringing money to our area. And so there's good and bad to that whereas i just think it's always easier to blame the poor people yep yes, but very much so here's the thing
0: though the fishermen on the coast that were blaming the vietnamese for the loss of their jobs were just as poor as the vietnamese and it was brought out in here that the vietnamese looked at them and saying well we're working why aren't you working because here's the thing: yes. the Vietnamese would go out fishing and doing their thing, even if it was raining, even if it was not, if it was storming or something. But yes. if it was super hot, if it was if it was a rainy day, they would still be out there doing their work. Whereas the white fishermen chose, "Oh, it's too hot, I can't go out on my boat today," or "It's raining, I can't go out on my boat," and then they would complain about the fact that the Vietnamese. Fishermen and stuff were bringing in the product to the fish houses, but
1: the Vietnamese worked together. Yeah, they didn't have if you didn't have money, you would go to another Vietnamese who would help you, would loan you some money. So they were all working together in a a system.
0: Yeah, it was a system thing, taking care of themselves. And the Ku Klux Klan even was trying to say that it was the federal government that was giving them the money. And it took the court to bring out the fact that, no, we were doing it amongst ourselves. And you're thinking, why couldn't the white fishermen have done that too? Why couldn't they have gotten together in a group and said, hey, you know, this guy needs help. Let's help him out. And once he's better, he'll pay us back. And then if this person, and that's how the Vietnamese you
1: know, did it. But you know what? I feel like take away the subject matter. And I feel like nine out of 10 times... People want things easy. And if they don't have easy, they find excuses, right? So it's like, I don't want to work harder. I don't want to admit that I'm the reason that I'm not getting further in life because I'm not working harder. So I would much rather blame it on someone else than take responsibility for it. Now, I do have to point out that I feel
0: that both sides, both the white and the Vietnamese, in the very beginning when all of this stuff was starting to get started, that both sides were at fault. The Vietnamese, to me, were at fault because they came into this area without finding out what the, basically your your unspoken rules of Mm -hmm. conduct and how you deal with the fact that, yes, it's a wide open ocean, but you still have a special place that you are allowed to fish or shrimp or whatever. And if somebody's got crab pots out there, you don't mix yours up with theirs. You know, there's just, there was just unspoken rules that weren't explained to them. And that's where I think that the, Whiteside fell down on the job by not going to somebody in charge or not explaining to them, hey, not getting them all mad and upset, which you do. Yes, they were mad because this is your livelihood. But go to them and say, hey, this isn't how we work it here. I don't know how you did it in Vietnam, but here we do it this way. And unfortunately, because that never got done in the very beginning, then people took sides.
1: And I, I would agree with you. It became one of those things where it was a misunderstanding that escalated, escalated into the Ku Klux Klan yeah. taking apart. But also, it's a misunderstanding, but if you're involving the Ku Klux Klan, you already don't like well, Other let's, people let's that be realistic
0: not. here. As the story progresses, you learn that there was at least one person in everybody's family who was involved in the Klan.
1: You had the police involved in the clan. You had the
0: police involved in the Klan. You had the government officials involved in the Klan. In that part of the country, for all I know, it's still there.
1: Yes, um, yes. The Klan was very, very... Open so even with that misunderstanding, I, I almost feel like could they like could have there been justice really back then when you had probably people hiding as then. KKK and not only just people people in high positions who either were KK members or new KK members or have family members who were KK and we're talking about this book exposes like some cops. oh yeah. So
0: I mean, They would wear their wear their clan robes over top of their uniforms.
1: Yes. So to me, it's so, like it's a misunderstanding. But then at the same time, it it was. Am I surprised it, that it got to where it got?
0: No. Knowing back
1: then, and I'd like to think back then, but you know, it was a hidden. It was a secret that got exposed because it became a bigger problem. Right. Right. But had it not become a but bigger they, problem, then but, like it but was also still been a secret.
0: Also, no, I think it, at one point they didn't want it to be secret anymore because usually when the clan is out there, they cover up with the hoods, and also you mm-hmm. don't know who the clan people are, and when they did that boat ride oh, down yeah. yes. through kema and sea seabrook sea drift where Seabrook
1: and all. It became a badge of honor, I I think.
0: They were wearing their robes without their hoods and just out there on the boat, you know, broadcasting the fact that we are KKK and look at us. And I'm like, well, at that point now, you're on everybody's radar and they know who you are. But it was like every family had somebody connected to it. It's like they they said, well, this person wasn't, but their cousin, they knew their cousin was involved. They just chose not to, so they weren't going to go against it. But I just think there was so much stuff on both sides, and both sides were ignoring the big issue of the pollution that was really what was destroying everything.
1: I would disagree with you on that. I think it initially started with with... the misunderstanding, but I definitely think that the Vietnamese tried to rectify their misunderstanding. They even tried to give money to the widow. Oh, yeah. And so I think the Vietnamese tried for a solution and the other side was not willing to go there. Because they didn't want to be seen as weak. I also wouldn't say that the Vietnamese ignored the chemical that were being thrown because it was actually the Vietnamese who had the back of that woman who had gone on hunger strikes, who was, you know, letting it be known, hey, they're dumping chemicals, there's a way of doing this that could be safe, but they're not doing it. It was the Vietnamese who stood by her. And if I'm not mistaken, she was white. Oh, yeah she was. And it her family didn't even stand by her because no, her family, family was going was, behind her
0: back and turning her into the authorities.
1: Yes, because they were working in the factory. Because so, they
0: were they didn't want to lose their jobs.
1: So I would say I don't don't want to put too much blame, but I do think that the Vietnamese tried to rectify things sooner. Yeah. I think that they did not ignore the chemicals because they stood behind her. And I will just leave it on that because I <laughs> I don't know about you, but reading this book on knowing that we were going to have Lit Chat, <sighs> I felt a little bit worried because we're talking about race relations and that's always a, a very great area there. We definitely do not want to offend anybody with this podcast.
0: I have to tell you the only reason I read this book was because it was picked for the Gulf Coast Reads. I would never have picked up this book otherwise. The writing was okay. I was not always enamored with the way he presented stuff. I think there was a lot left out Mm -hmm. that should have been there. And then there was probably a lot there that probably could have been left out. It was not a favorite. I, I can't say it's it's going to be a book that I will even suggest other people read. I mean, unless that's what you're interested in. But it is it is history of the Gulf Coast region. It is one of those histories that obviously may be difficult for some people to accept.
1: You know, the funny thing, it's, it's history that, I can't remember her name, but the woman who fought really hard against the chemical factories. Wilson was her last name.
0: I forget her first name. Her last name was Wilson.
1: So up until when this book was written, she was still alive, and she was still finding those chemicals. So it's weird because usually when I read historical fiction, and I like history, I read it with the thought of these people are dead, right? But these people, you know, they're not all dead. they're still alive and for wilson she is older but has not given up the fight and that's awesome that she's still you know at her age she is still trying to do something for our area i will say i was never a big fan of galveston i come from south Padre island coming from the valley our beach is south Padre island i'm not saying it's as pretty as cape cod or the Mexican beaches, but I do think it's better than Galveston. So I've never really been a fan of Galveston, but now knowing all the chemicals and stuff, I don't want to dip my toe into Galveston because I don't know how many chemicals there are in that water. And I'm a little scared if I'm being honest. like This this shook me for the only reason that I'm like, ooh, I hope my seafood isn't coming from that area. But also Padre Island
0: also where that oil spill yes. from Mexico came. Oh no, I'm I'm saying in general. Now I don't know how cleaned up they've gotten that part since then because that was a long time ago yeah. and they should have cleaned up a lot of it.
1: What I was going for is I've never really been a fan of Galveston before learning all of this stuff, right? I've never been a big fan of Galveston. I think Sal Padre Island is nicer. Um, well, let's
0: face it, there's a lot more resorts on South Padre Island than there is at Galveston. So obviously, for whatever reason, those beaches are considered better than Galveston Beach. So Galveston Beaches.
1: And but now learning about this information, I'm not going to lie. I, it makes me think twice about getting into the Gulf Coast waters because of all of the uh, chemicals Part of me is like, okay, well, this, think happened, of in the, this yeah. happened in the San
0: Jacinto River.
1: This happened in the sixties and seventies. Here's hoping that we've done better to like clean up that mess, right? But then at the same time, the book ends up with her like still fighting the good fight. So you're just like, eee, which then also makes me think, oh man. I really need to think twice about getting that seafood because I, I just Any it of gave the water
0: me, around here gives me the heebie jeebies It
1: gave me a feeling, right? It gave me a feeling of like, ooh, I definitely don't want to have mercury. <laughs> this is why, like, they they say like, especially for like pregnant women, you gotta be careful about not eating your seafood, because there's a good chance that you're gonna have mercury exposure obviously, you know, as a person, you don't want you want to be careful about eating too much seafood for the same reasons. Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, to put it this way, this book, it was a good read for me. Would I read it again? No. Would I have picked it up? Probably not. It wasn't my taste. I'm going to leave it at that. It wasn't my taste. It's not to say that it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. Or it was bad. It just wasn't my taste. But what I will say on a positive, I learned something that I hadn't known. And I always think that's a great thing. I think it's great to learn things. Right. Especially because it takes books like these. You know, this isn't talked about in our history books. This isn't talked about on a regular basis. No. These are your hidden history stories that unless somebody I think Chris' first name is Kirk. Unless he decides to write a story about this, it gets lost and forgotten. Obviously not to the people who lived it, but I would have never known about this. But you know what? Being in Lit Chat, we've always talked about trying new things and trying new books. And so did I hate this book? I didn't hate this book. I didn't hate it. I just, I, I I'm like,
0: it, the, I just, it opened my eyes to issues that I didn't know existed along this coastline and I appreciate for that that long yeah the fact that it's still going on and it has not been rectified completely is disturbing yeah this is one of those books that I think everybody in austin in the legislature needs to be reading yes and every government official needs to be reading
1: but also i feel but, like talking about this book maybe also everybody one of us should be reading it too because now it's in our minds and you know for me it's this idea of like it's more conscious. I was blissfully ignorant,
0: (laughs) but now...
1: You can't be blissfully ignorant anymore. No, and you know what? The thing is, sometimes it's good not to be blissfully ignorant because these are real issues that have an effect. Not only did it affect the wildlife and the fishing industry, people started getting cancer. Oh, yeah, massive cancer. They talk about
0: the fact that these People who are working in the factories got cancer. And the thing is, they didn't know why at first. And I'm like, well, duh, you look at the chemicals you're working with every day. But they weren't told about what they were working with. And now I think people who are working in this industry now at least are aware of the dangers of working in this industry. I know my husband
1: is. You see, I don't... But- I don't know because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very surprised as an American with what is allowed and not allowed in this country. And what I mean by that is I would think the FDA, a while back there was a big thing on clean makeup, clean, everything clean, natural, you know? And it's weird that sometimes the carcinogens and the toxins that are allowed in our everyday stuff, like a makeup, shampoo, stuff that we use that you would think, well, surely if this chemical causes cancer, our government wouldn't allow it to be in our makeup. Right? Right, but it's this allowed. is just what yeah. And so this this is the other thing that was very eye-opening about this book. And I will say I'm glad that I did read it because it also just makes me aware that sometimes I'm like, oh, the government's got our best interest. And they don't. And they don't. And it's just surprising that, because like. Because
0: the, the money is in the company, not in the population. Exactly. And the only time they worry about the population is every two to four years when somebody has to be elected to office.
1: Well, and, or or when a book like this comes out and it exposes people and so for this reason getting back to this book i think it's great that he wrote it it really was a book that for me really made me think Mm -hmm. really made me aware that um in a sad way that the government isn't always on our side and we need to be more conscious And maybe we need to be the ones voicing our concerns like Wilson did. Because it seems like if we don't voice our concerns, then stuff like this is gonna happen and it's gonna be in the secret and nobody's gonna do anything about it. Because the officials in Houston had to have known what was going on. But like you said, the money was being made and so what is it to You know, city officials that a couple of people are getting cancer and a couple of shrimp are getting deformed when there's a lot of money that's being made. And so that to me also was one of those things. A lot of it comes down to money. Money, 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 money. That's also one of those things where I feel like as an American, we need to be more proactive sometimes because. It can't
0: always be about the money.
1: It can't be always about the money, but also, you know, sometimes we have to be the proactive ones like Wilson, and we need to speak up when we see that something is wrong because as hard as it is, it benefits a lot of people. Wilson's actions, and she had it hard. Oh, yeah. She went through hunger strikes. Her attorney... That she thought she could trust ended up working for the company and like basically like her family. Backstabbed her. Was backstabbed her. Her family was telling the authorities what she was planning to do. She lost a lot and she could have given up at any moment. And I wouldn't have blamed her, but you know what? She keeps I'm not even like she keeps speaking up and you know what that has benefited me that has benefited you that has benefited so many people in Houston kudos to Wilson and yes from um not sure exactly when this book was written but um in the epilogue it did say that she was still finding the good fight and kudos to her because she Oh, I have to think that maybe she's like in her 60s, 70s. She's got to be more
0: in her, I would think more in her 80s, but hey. Maybe,
1: and you know, you know, when you're at that age, you have every right to retire and live the easy life, and she is choosing to fight on not just for herself, but for us and the future and for Houston and the surrounding area. So I will say with this book, um, I am glad that I read it. I wouldn't read it again. It wasn't the type of book that I would pick up. But it made me more conscious. Made me a little scared to go into the waters. (laughs) But you know what? Um, The more people know about this, the more they're going to have a say. And hopefully things change for the better. Right. All right, guys. Well, I think we've said our piece when it comes to this book, right? Yep. Probably more than we needed to. But that's okay. So, yeah, guys, as always... You should give it a try if you're interested. This is our thoughts, but as always, our thoughts might not be your thoughts. So if you are interested in learning about history in Houston, um, unspoken history of Houston, then I would definitely pick this up. And until we meet again, um, which next month we will do our reader's reader's choice. choice. For some reason, I feel like this year has just gone really fast. It has. But I think... Always after summer reading program is when I just think the years keep going faster and faster. (laughs) Um, So with that, thank you guys so much for listening to us. I am PJ. And I'm Bonnie. Bye, guys.